Hey y'all, this is Benny, the host of the Last Week at Podcast. Before we really get into this week's episode, I just wanted to say that it's been great fun for me and my co-host Mayank to use this podcast as a medium to chat with an incredible area of guests from all over the world on a variety of topics in the cricketing universe. For a couple of amateur podcasters, this is all possible due to Spotify for podcasters. And if you want to get in on this as well, here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. As added features, video podcasts are also now available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. So if you have an idea for a podcast, give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com podcasters to get started. Hello and welcome to The Last Wicket, a cricket podcast that is perfect for these end times. I'm your host, Benny, and this week, me and fellow co-host, Mayank, will be speaking with returning guest, Clive, a.k.a. at Vanilla Walla. We brought back Clive to have a brief chat on Pakistan's cricketing fortunes, on their recent tour of England, their T20 stocks, and what their performances indicate for the World T20 Championship later this year. So, stay tuned for our conversation. Hello, Clive. Welcome back to the Last Wicket Podcast. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? We are doing good. Um, well, I think the listeners should know that it's what five a.m. or six a.m. What is it? What time is it there? It's actually two a.m. Okay, so okay, two a.m. is not too bad. I was thinking it's like really, really early in the morning for oh, you. Uh, but I'm assuming no time is too late to talk about cricket, which yeah, is why. Yeah, <laughs> we had you back here. So a lot has happened since the last time we spoke with you. Um, you know, multiple international series have been going on. Um, but of course, we, we consider you our resident Pakistan cricket expert. Uh -huh. So obviously, uh, this episode, we're going to talk to you about, uh, you know, what's been going on with Pakistan cricket, especially now that they are in England. Thanks again, Clive, for, you know, being flexible and great to talk to you again. Um, so I know we want to talk a little bit about the T20 World Cup and uh, it's not too far away, but I think we have to start with uh, the ODI series against England. Um, and it's interesting because obviously since 2019 World Cup, uh, because of COVID, there's not been a lot of cricket, but in the eight ODIs that Pakistan has played, they've, you know, won six, tied one and lost just the one. Uh, and yet they were, they lost 3-0 to um, what many consider an England B-side. Uh, what were your thoughts about that? Um, surprised by um, the fact that they didn't win even one game? Okay, uh, the fact that England could, sorry, Pakistan couldn't manage to win against England, especially given their B-side. I think when they went to England, they were expecting a thrash, uh, not a thrashing, but at least a 3-0 would have been, you know, not out of, uh, you know, bounds for many of the fans. But Losing 3-0 to this second string England side must hurt them. 
but if you look at how the england side set up their whole uh, uh, 11 it was pretty much they had every player had a role from what was there in the first their main side whatever role was there they had someone of the other were doing that same job it was just that i feel pakistan didn't plan better or they could have you know at least had given some of their player roles in the first t20 oh, sorry first odi i can't blame them it was some good bowling but the second and third t20i the uh, odi those are games they should have actually won given the positions they saw themselves at one point there was no reason they should have lost those odis but they found a way to lose it and i think that's down to you know uh, maybe i for babar at least i could say that it was his early days as odi as an odi captain so i would give him the benefit of the doubt that these things happen but in the uh, final odi i don't know how you could lose from putting the opposition five down and when they have almost 180 or to chase okay that is something that much hurt, that that's a loss which much i've heard pakistan a lot because their bowling is what defines them and right. they couldn't do that with the ball yeah i mean i think you're you hit the nail on the head because uh, you know we we saw phil salt come in and play basically the role jason roy plays um Uh, Saqib Mahmood uh, played a role of Chris Wokes, so they definitely had their bases covered. But it definitely felt like a surprise. Um, and yeah, the third T20, uh, third one day, I should say, um, definitely after getting three thirty on the board, there's really no excuses to you know letting that game slip. Um, but anyways, a thing that was just you know I had to ask that because I was just surprised by it a little bit. Also, you know, you you kind of mentioned it briefly. Clive, that you know, a lot of it is also just the setup that England has. Um, I, I know there's a lot of talk about B teams these days, with you know, like for example, India fielding two sides in two international sides at the moment, in, um, and England doing it. And I think just the way everything is going right now uh, in the world, especially with COVID uh, cases here and there, uh, I think more teams will probably end up doing this anyway. Uh, and this is where the depth. this is where the setup that you know countries like india and england uh have invested in the structure that they've invested in is coming to fore because can can you say that even a pakistan b side uh would have made much of a difference i mean obviously it it, it would have been weaker but do you think with any team for that matter they would be as competitive as england and india are with their you know their b side i don't really think any is because if you look at it india and england as you have said have invested a lot in their depth okay uh, i if you have read tim wigmore's article about england's dna they have looked for these they have a list of 40 players for their ODI, for just for their white ball side so they know they have the kind of players they want the kind of players they're looking for and investing same thing india has done as well india hasn't built their uh, pace bowling unit in just one go it has happened over gradually over years and they are reaping benefits their white ball side is also reaping benefits of the ipl so you can see all this at the end over time it has been developed you can't say the same for uh, countries like pakistan new zealand sri lanka uh, i think even australia to some extent because these are the countries australia x i all the countries mentioned except that only australia i think has like a proper a team structure and they also don't play as many games as how much india a and england lions play 
India A and England Lions really look at their um, uh, their teams as a stepping stone to uh, test cricket, one day one day cricket or T Twenty cricket. They really invest. They look at this as one. They know that the gap between domestic cricket and international cricket is really high, so they know that they need an other step between these two. And A, uh, the what I would call it A cricket, basically something that you know they use to bridge that gap. and that is where you see the benefits of it all coming through now well the focus of this episode is going to be the t20 so let let's step into that um so the first game between pakistan and england it was uh you know al- always a fantastic game to watch when sixes are flying around and especially packed crowds nothing nothing can beat that now pakistan won that game by 30 odd runs uh but i think what stood out was the contrasting approaches between uh the two sides so you know obviously we saw pakistan was 80 for no loss and 10 overs and then went on to make 230 and then england had reached 80 in the 7th over um uh, but of course they lost four extra wickets there uh now that approach you would say i i guess we'll we'll see which approach is better i think overall uh but do you think that approach by pakistan their batting approach especially in the first half of the innings is that a sustainable one is that something that you think will pay off more often than not mm, see that's a tough question because an a t20 approach is basically on depends on what uh, resources you have right like if suppose pakistan has someone like a butler kl rahul kran uh, hardik pandya glen maxwell then you can say yeah it's an unsustainable approach because you're misusing these guys but they don't really have the big hitters or names like these to call upon so then you are forced to you know rely on an approach which you know maximizes your strengths especially with batting what they do is they go like the bowling team where they look, go like how sunrisers hyderabad go in the ipl they get a par total and they wish for their bowling to do well and that is what they do you look at their bowlers they have shaheen hasan shadab usman qader uh harisov these are good bowlers in the psl at least so for them what they need to do is at least get to a par total and that par total may uh, is good enough for these guys so i think for that sustainable approach to get to your par total also it is fine because babar and rizwan are safe enough they bat long enough uh, to at least get you to like they leave a base of sort exactly what happened in the first t20i was that they left a base so 80 of 10 was their base and after that they just went i think they scored 130 in the last no 1 140 in the last 10 overs and that is what happens when you have a base because you basically leave the rest of the batsmen just enough time to just come out and hit you have no pressure it was a flat wicket as well and um, trendbridge is a very small ground so that also helps in your favor so all the batsmen had to do is come out they knew that at least they they have some total for their bowling and whatever they do hitting out at this point will get them improve their chances and i think that was a fair enough approach if it works in a, i think this approach will be more useful when they move to ue for the world t20 mm-hmm. because big hitting will not be easy on these pitches so they you need uh, someone like a babar and rizwan getting to you safer totals and that is not easily applicable to an england approach like england approach usually will work out because you have eight out of 11 batsmen going that approach and even if they fail at least they get 15 that is like 120 runs plus whatever if one guy or two guys get 20 additional runs that's 150 160 enough for them to defend on that slow pitch 
but Pakistan's approach is much more safer, at least for me. And given they are recording the UE, that has been a safer approach they have used. And that, I think, is what will triumph in the UE. If these are the pitches, those pitches, the slow pitches which are used to in UE, are the same ones we get for the World T20. That's that's a really interesting point because you know we we always take talk about Kohli and being an accumulator in India and I think it's a key differentiator that India has you know now Sudhakumar Yadav Hardik Pandya who can really accelerate so which you know pushes the point that yeah maybe that's the reason why risk taking is okay for India but may not always be the case for Pakistan um, but having said that they do have people like Asif Ali who you know are sometimes given the liberty of just go and smash it from ball one. Um, I know he didn't play, I don't believe he played this T20 series, uh, but do you think if they had a couple, uh, do you think if they had, you know, Asif Ali in form and maybe one other batsman like that, they would have tried to adjust that a little bit? So the thing about Asif Ali is that he has been given enough games for the Pakistan side and he doesn't have a substantial innings to show for it. And, I see, uh, because I, I know what he can do for Islamabad United. Even the fans know what he can do for Islamabad United. So that is a sort of a frustrating aspect of it, that if he can do it for Islamabad United, what is stopping him from doing it for Pakistan? So, and maybe they are, like, there could be a multiple amount of reasons for him not doing that well. But he has been given a lot of chances in the Pakistan setup. The fact that he has not been able to score runs... At some point, that has to come back. You have they have to be consequences. They can't keep backing you for such a long time. And if, I think it's fair enough that they've dropped him because at least they know that uh, they they go into the World T Twenty knowing they are trying someone else. They are trying Soeem Maksud right now, who had a brilliant uh, PSL. They they tried Azam Khan, who is uh, good against spin. He can hit spin. He can hit pace as well. And in the middle overs, Azam Khan is someone who can actually change the momentum of the game. So, I think it's fair enough that Asaf Ali was dropped because if you look at his Pakistan record, there's no reason, there's no justifiable reason to, you know, you can go and tell anyone to say that he deserves a spot. Even if he has done well in PSL, people know he does well in the PSL, but you have to, you know, somehow show, replicate these performances in, in the green jerseys for Pakistan. And that's not been happening. So, fair enough if they're given Azam or Soe Maksud or Chance. And they have like, what, they had these three T20s and five T20s in West Indies. So let's see how these two guys do. Also, in in the second and third game, you know, obviously we saw kind of what you were talking about. So England, you know, they scored 200. Pakistan's chart, very similar to the first game. But obviously this time their approach uh, doesn't work. Um, and so we've already talked about their batting approach and, you know, how often that can work for them. Uh, but the big thing for me, you know, I was surprised because I obviously don't follow Pakistan cricket very closely. But uh, when I saw Fakhar Zaman come in the middle order, um, I was surprised. Is, is that something that, uh, you know, they see as a long term approach or is this something that they're just experimenting on to see if he can be a good, you know, good fit in the middle order? See, the thing with Fakhar Zaman is they are trying because he plays well against spin. Okay, they are trying that aspect of his game. They are trying to, like, you know, amplify his as- that aspect of the game because he doesn't, he's not exactly a quick uh, scorer in the power play. Like, even though he has a reputation, I think, especially after that uh, Chapel Shopee final, he has a reputation of a quick start. That is not exactly true because he strikes at the same rate as Baba Rizwan. 
So and the thing is, he's more propen. Uh, he's more like you know liable to get out in the first six overs than uh, Babar and Rizwan. So it doesn't make sense to you know open with him because yeah, he'll score at the same rate, but he'll also get out. But the thing is, once he gets stuck in, there's a high upside. We saw we saw in the championship final what he could do, what he did to Ashwin. So he he against spinners, he's really good. So I think that is what Pakistan is using right now. The Pakistan is telling him that you don't need to open, okay? But you'll have to face spin at some point in the middle overs, and we are putting you in that situation. You just face spin and get those runs. The the you know the other upside is that. His strike rate in spin is only after facing thirty balls. He scores at around ten and a half runs an over after facing thirty balls in innings. So, for me at least, that is like not something huge to consider. But if your analysts uh, take whatever small, small, you know, like marginal aspects of data and try to like, uh, you know, understand what maybe has got his eye in or whatever. But I think it's like a positive move because Fakhar is someone who can easily change a game. and having a left hander in your middle order is something every side should strive to have and fucker does that so if he can uh, get his uh, he can start quickly against spin that is a huge boost for pakistan it's also fascinating that uh, pakistan like to kind of switch up their uh, batting order in the sense like openers can become middle order batsmen middle order batsmen can become openers i mean mohammad afiz like i feel like i've seen him in every position possible throughout his career uh so uh so let's talk about hafiz for a bit because he's always been a fascinating cricketer for me um i, I don't see I, i didn't notice anything any huge contribution from him i i did see him picking a few wickets here and there uh but he's also let's be fair to coming towards the end of his career do you still see him as a valuable uh you know player in that t20 side oh hafiz is a very interesting case because he had one of the in a, in a in 2020 when everyone had a terrible 2020 he was the only guy who had i think the best t20 uh, year of his life like he was completely out of um, out of the world at that point so and the last one year since 2021 has started he's been on and off so i don't know how if you could hold it up against him because form is very subjective uh, so not subjective so it's like just Around fifteen games, he has had fifteen bad games. So, is that against to enough to hold him up against it? I don't think so. May they they might be a genuine case these next five, because Pakistan play five T twenty as in West Indies, and they play potentially eight T twenty as at home before the World T twenty. So, there is enough uh, matches to find out if is if Hafiz is actually the guy uh, you want to be sticking to because he's still reliable. He's one of the most reliable guys i think in that uh, pakistan setup after uh, babar and rizwan so i wouldn't easily dispose of him and the additional but the thing is if he's only batting okay that is going to be like a liability because if is only batting you you are forced to pick with go with like five bowlers or one extra bowler and reduce your batting but if he bowls a bit like he did in the final t20 that's going to always work in his favor because if he doesn't uh bat at least he has his bowling to fall upon especially in ua so that is i think hafiz and pakistan should consider if they are that's how they are going to use him so um i read your uh, recent blog post and i know uh, you wrote about the t20 side and and you know their chances and and we'll make sure we link it in the podcast notes as well 
and you talked about how you know mickey arthur's australia uh, australia i'm saying uh, pakistan uh 180% of their t20i's against the top teams mm-hmm. and since september 2019 when misba took over that win percentage is only about 52 so mm-hmm. uh just curious what what has changed because the personnel from from a personnel point of view there's not been too many changes obviously right now with the t20 world cup coming up they're trying a few faces as you mentioned but uh, the core team remains the same yeah personal wise there's actually not uh, not much has changed you are right there's nothing they have had the same number of guys the thing which has changed for me is that pakistan was such a bowling heavy side and at the time when this losses started coming through they shadab has been in a bad form hasan was out of the side shaheen uh who was dominating for in that start in that phase when that whole pakistan even number one phase was happening even shaheen was uh, he be- started becoming expensive in the lure for wickets which i understand that's fair enough because he he is one bowler who's he believes he doesn't mind giving away runs as long as he gets wickets and basically it was a systematic you know the, a lot of their bowlers started failing and that has hurt them a lot so i think that once Pakistan gets into that whole if they get like a pitch with shoots especially that uh, third T20I it was a perfect kind of game for them if you look at it that way like they got their spinners playing a lot they uh, I obviously in UAE their fast bowlers will play a bit more role than in that final T20 but I think if their spinners get some form back okay especially in the middle overs because Pakistan con- uh, conceded conceded I think just 75 Uh, runs in boundaries if you look as himanish once wrote an article that boundary attempts is a better way to judge who wins the matches and all that pakistan doesn't concede many boundaries but after that they have been conceding at an average average rate and if your batting is not good enough to score boundaries then you you need your bowling to be elite but pakistan's bowling has been anything but elite since misbah has come in and i wouldn't blame misbah for that entirely okay it is just that the bowlers were in pretty pathetic form since he came in and that is just his bad luck that he has to take a side like that on can we talk uh, um, for a moment about the coaching because mm-hmm. uh, at least the pakistani twitter that i follow everyone seems to blame misbah the coach uh, i mean i i guess mickey arthur had a pretty or at least a better record than Uh, Misba did, but when I see Mickey Arthur now with Sri Lanka and not just the results, but just his general demeanor, it just seems like I wonder how he survived with Pakistan. You know, it seems like a very volatile combination, Pakistan and Mickey Arthur. Uh, and how much of it? I, I know you you already said a little bit about it. Can you? But can you expand on how much impact does the coaching staff have anyway on the Pakistan players, and especially having someone? as respected and senior as misba uh, as head of the coach is he still chief of selector I, i know that he had that hat as well um does that play any role like how how much of an impact does misba actually have on the team okay first of all he's no more the chief of selector he has uh, he was actually he he actually gave up the role it was supposed to be taken away from him but before that only he gave up on that role and then you have mohammad wasim who is the new chief of selectors but you're talking about the coaching impact and there are two things we need to remember first of all misbah hasn't coached a side before 
becoming the head coach of Pakistan. And two, okay, even a good player doesn't mean you become a good coach, okay, or right. you're a good captain, good tactician. So I don't understand what was the reasoning of making him a coach the first time around. But people, a lot of Pakistanis, they saw that and they said, okay, chalo, good, like this, we know how he captains. Okay, so obviously, if he's good tactically, he'll be a good coach. And I don't think so that's true. And it's been shown that's not true. But I don't think so. Coaching is the main issue with Pakistan cricket. Pakistan cricket has a deeper issue than that. And if you look at their ODI record since the 2003 World Cup, it's 18 years, basically. And against the top sides, that is Australia, England, Sri Lanka, New Zealand, India, and South Africa, they have had only two years where they have won more matches then they have lost against G sides. And basically, you can't call yourself a top side if you're losing a lot more often against G sides. Yeah. So, and those two years were 2011 and 2017, the 2011 World Cup, obviously, and the Champions Trophy as well. So, if you are a, if you are like a consistently bad side, I don't think so. Coaching at the international level is a reason. There's a lot much, a bigger and deeper issue in Pakistan cricket than just coaching. I think Mizbah is not a good coach for that side because he has a lot more to do. There's a lot more, uh, I think, required with that side than just, you know, because there's a huge talent gap between, say, Pakistan and India, England, New Zealand. Okay, and I think that talent gap has to be, you know, closed. Like, you know, you can only lessen that talent gap if you plan better. And I don't think so. Mizbah as a coach is that tactical because... If he sticks with his plans, he's very rigid and he's not going to let, say, a barber, you know, make his own plans. If, if Now we hear that barber is given more, you know, freedom to decide on his plans. But that, I don't think so. Mizbah can do much about that. Even though he might help the players here and there, still it is not as, it's not as good as having a qualified, much more better coach than him. Right. Great points. Um, I think the other piece uh, that, you know, you mentioned in the article was, uh, Pakistan's batting run rate has, you know, remained slightly below the international average. Um, we talked a little bit about Azam Khan and his ability to hit spin. Uh, I was also impressed with uh, Hyder Ali in, in the PSL, and you know, he was a free-flowing batsman. Um, what are, what do you think about these players? Um, and who are the other names who we can, you know, keep in mind for uh, to help Pakistan bring that run? So Hyder Ali and. Uh... Oh, yeah, Heather Ali and Azam Khan are two names which I desperately want in the T20 side. Okay, and I, I don't know, Benny, you must be seeing a lot of Pakistani Twitter fans, you know, mention Malik or Hafiz by mistake. Okay, and I don't think so. That is anymore an answer. Okay, because right. you have to look at uh, Azam and Hafiz as your future of uh, Pakistan cricket right now. And Azam and Hafiz are pretty fearless uh, cricketers if you ever watch their PSL highlights. Okay. Uh, there is no doubt that they come with an elite mentality to attack, attack, attack. And that is much needed in this format and much needed for Pakistan cricket. So I think their run rate issue could be solved if Pakistan go with this thing that first six to 10 overs, we'll ask Babar and Rizwan to, you know, like build a platform for us. And exactly like how they did in the first T20I, they attack from there till the end. Because basically they, they bat down till number nine. Only Shaheen and Haris in that first T20 don't know to bat. So they have Hassan, they can have Imad bat, they have Shadab batting, you have uh, Soe Maksud, and if you if you re- replace Soe Maksud, you have 
Hazar Ali, Azam Khan. So there are a lot of options. And for uh, replacements, obviously one number one replacement comes in Asif Ali. Then there's Fahim Ashavocho who can ball a, well, ball a bit and he can bat as well. So there are some options. Then there's Mohammed Nawaz as well who can bat. But I'm not sure. It's not sold completely on his big hitting ability. But he is good enough for the top four or five spot for Pakistan at least. And and so I mean I guess we I, we're pretty sure that you know it's it's pretty unlikely that uh, Rizwan and Babar will not be the openers in the T20 World Cup. I think that's fair to say. But mm. what would your three, four, five, six, seven be, considering all these names that we've we've thrown out? We you know obviously we're trying uh, Fakhar in in the middle uh, at four. But uh, who would your three, five, six, seven be? Okay. So it will be for me. It should be Hafiz, Fakhar, Azam, Heather. Three, four, five, six. These are the guys for me at least for now. Heather. If in in any backup situation they come in, Asif Ali, Soheb Maksud. These are the two guys who come in backup. But for me, three, four, Hafiz, Heather, Azam, Fakhar. Uh, they can rotate according to the situation, uh, according to the bowlers, matchups, whatever that comes up. But these, this is going to be my middle order for the. World T20. And seven would be uh, Shadab, I'm guessing, with his batting abilities. Yeah, seven would be oh, right now actually Hassan because he, he has shown with the bat what he can do. So it would be Hassan, Imad, Shadab, whatever in that order uh, comes in. For me, actually, it would always be Hassan. One thing I think which Pakistan really lacks is also, you know, they, do, they are not that, I don't know, they are not flexible with their batting approach in that sense that they don't go for the ball. They don't look at the ballers and decide their uh, batting order. Because if you look in the second T20I, when England were pull, putting in the spinners, they were putting in Livingston, they were putting in Moin, they were putting Rashid. You should have sent someone like Azam Khan who can actually attack these guys for a bit. So even if they ball like one or two, they, they would be forced to ball these guys for at least two, three overs. Okay, We know Hafiz is a slow starter against spin. So why not send Azam? maximize the 10-12 balls he might have against these guys. If he gets out, you still have Hafiz in the lineup. But if he manages to get a start, you at least better off ahead in the chase at some point. That is why I even was annoyed in the third T20 when they decided to send uh, Shadam and Imad over Hassan when Hassan is the one who is better against pace than these two guys in the depth. And he has shown it around on six, seven different occasions since the since 2021 started. So that is my a bit of disappointment that this management or whoever decides a batting order is not exactly flexible with your batting order or because your batting order has to be reactive to what your ballers do, what the opposition does. Right? You can't sit back and decide to go with a fixed line, especially not in T20. I think that's where having expertise of seasoned coaches or seasoned mm. captains sort of paid off. Babar obviously is not very experienced. And as you already talked about, Mizbah is not has not had any coaching experience prior to this. Mm. And then you look at other teams, uh, other major teams, India aside, they primarily invest in coaches who are not necessarily big names, but they've earned their stripes through coaching lots mm. of domestic teams, lots of T20 sides. Mm. So they're well-versed with that aspect. And... So if you don't have a very experienced skipper, the coach, especially in the shortest format of the game, I feel coaches really can come to the fore and that's where they can make the difference in terms of either the selection of the playing 11 or just, you know, 
keeping up with the pace of the game. Sometimes you just need to change your, you know, it's not anymore plan A. Maybe you need to switch to plan B in the middle of the game. Hmm. And that's where you need that experience. And I think that's where Pakistan is lacking right now. Yeah, pa- uh, like, um, I don't know if you read Hassan Chima's tweets during the game, but he keeps saying that, you know, if you don't plan well, you're going to lose to a well-planned uh, B side of any team. If you need a proper planning as well. And I think Pakistan, to some extent, don't have proper planning because I'll give you another example. Haris Rauf is a bowler who is amazing in the death. Yeah, like he has one of the best uh, economy rates in the death overs. He go in the death overs since his debut, it goes at around nine and over. That guy goes at 8.2, 8.4 runs and over. So that he's better than the average bowler in the death overs. But Pakistan usually have him ball one over in the death which doesn't make sense. Okay. And in the rest of the game, especially in the power play, he gets smashed around the puck. They gave him two overs. In the in the middle overs, they gave him one over when the batsmen, okay, are looking for a free over to attack and they'll get his over to attack. So I think this is also, you know, these are also places where you need to focus. You need to use your ball as well. You need to use your batsman well. And I, I think they have perfected Shahin Shah Afridi's use, two overs in the power play, two overs in the death. That is as good as it can be for Shaheen Shah, but but Babar uh, could uh, I think in the I think it was his uh, first T20 where you know Babar kind of misused Shaheen in the sense that he could have basically killed off the England innings by you know getting Shaheen in the 13th over and bowling him one more because at the end Shaheen's two overs were against England's eight, nine, and ten. Where I don't think so. Yeah, Shine would be affected, but it would be better. His best use would be against the best batsman of England than against number eight, nine, ten. So that is where you know that you need a better captain for that. And I'm not going to blame Babur because the guy is just what he has taken over captaincy less than a year back in August. When uh, in August, when they finished their T20 uh, test series, it's going to be a year since he has been Pakistan's uh, T20 captain. So that's going to take some time for him to get be smart. He doesn't even uh, captain his franchise in the PSL. So obviously, it's a learning curve for him as well. And I'm going to give him as much as leeway as possible because he's one guy who I genuinely see lead Pakistan for a long, long time if Pakistan cricket don't get up to their shenanigans and politics and don't bother him. That's too much to ask for. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you must have seen on Twitter already, there are already question marks about him as a captain. Really? Yeah, wow. like okay. you know, I, I I I don't know, Benny. If you whenever you're free, just dive into the Pakistani YouTube cricket. Okay, you have Shoaib. Don't know about that. <laughs> you have Shoaib Akhtar. You have uh, Rashid uh, Rashid Latif. You have some three four guys just talk like. Salman, but also have his own YouTube channel. Yes, yes, he does. He have his own YouTube channel. These guys have like. It's it's pure comedy for me actually to watch them, yeah, like I because Shoaib Akhtar, on multiple occasions he has said he wants to coach Pakistan, he wants to become bowling coach, he wants to own an I a PSL franchise. So for this, it's unlimited entertainment once when Pakistan loses, but when they win, there's like they, these guys don't speak much obviously, but when they lose. It's unreal entertainment. They say Babur to captain. We okay. I don't know which idiot made him a captain and look what's happening. This is what you ha- happens when you make donkeys make decisions to the team. And I was, I'm like, guys, come on. 
that just sounds like they're just doing it for the clicks. You know, they know those kind of headlines will get people coming to, you know, either support them or really criticize them either way to getting the views. Exactly. <laughs> this is, this is like this is like Arsenal fan TV but on testosterone. Like it's on steroids I think. <laughs> uh well, let's let's talk about the venues for the World Cup. Now, you mm-hmm. are a Dubai resident, correct? No, I stay in Sharjah actually. You stay in Sharjah actually. So, do you watch a lot of games in the stadium? Yeah, I used to watch a lot of games when they used to happen here. I used to visit uh, uh, not uh, Sharjah matches most most times. At least I would try to attend all Sharjah games, but Dubai games on and off. But okay. Abu Dhabi, yeah, Abu Dhabi's venues is is too far for me, and I je- pretty much don't like the Abu Dhabi stadium. So I wouldn't travel there to watch. But yeah, Dubai and Sharjah, I would watch uh, as many games as I could. Okay, I mean, with the World Cup games primarily held being in in these three venues. Uh, so we pulled up some stats. So in Dubai, the T, the average T20 score uh, between 2019 and 2020, they jumped from 142 to 171. And then in Sharjah, it jumped from 161 to 177. And it's very similar for Abu Dhabi as well. So what can we expect from a pitch perspective? I mean, I'm 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 going to assume it's not going to be similar to the English pitches that we've been watching. Oh okay so are you talking for the IPL or for the World T20 the World T20 okay for the World T20 i think by the point the World T20 starts these pitches will be used a lot because it's the summer right now so mm-hmm. i think that the from what i've heard at least my friend has told me that the abu dhabi pitches are trying to make it as flat as possible because they the World T20 is coming and they want it to last for a long time so if they make like a half big pitch is not going to last long so they are trying to like get a proper good cricket pitch which lasts for a whole duration and they have five pitches in uh, abu dhabi alone and i think dubai has eight pitches and sharjah has three pitches so i think all these pitches will be made with the same uh, mandate so that they try to make pitches which last long and at least can host 70 games on their own so i think we will see in the start at least uh some you know good batting wickets which at least 165 is what i'm hoping will be the uh, scoring uh, at least the one pass score on most of these venues sharjah uh, obviously is going to be a much more higher one because sharjah pitches are uh, the best for batting in the ue and the ground is pretty small so that is going to be a huge advantage for whichever side if you if you are going to be in england or west indies you would hope at least that three of your games are in charger because they are going to love those pitches uh, they wouldn't like a game in abu dhabi because abu dhabi pitches are slow and they will offer some turn and those are the pitches more likely to trouble a big hitting side like england or west indies i think india is more or less equipped to play all the, in any of these venues so it depends on how long Uh, how fresh these pitches are especially and if they can and how ipl especially organizes this because we don't know about the ipl uh, schedule at this point and i'm hoping that they have at least like suppose if they are starting games in the dubai for the world t20 there is at least a 20 day gap before the last ipl game in dubai and the first uh, world t20 game in dubai at least because at least the pitch has some rest so i'm hoping that is one something which happens 
otherwise we are going to find like very slow pitches where there'll be like games of 155 160 and all which is actually fun but uh, not many people want those games i mean we watch t20 for the big hits so i mean it, those type of games are fun once in a while but i think if that becomes a norm then you'll see people getting mad at the ipl which is <laughs> most of the time nine times out of 10 that's the root cause of everything that's wrong with cricket and the right? worst and the worst thing is that if this would bring pakistan completely back into the world t20 picture because they love pitches uh-huh. like this right and if, right, right, and, if right. and if pakistan wins it then it will be like an easy narrative that pakistan won because of the ipl and i wouldn't want that at least true true yeah. yeah so that's that brings me to um sort of the last question that we had you know you talked about how england and west indies are probably best suited for sharja india has a well rounded team that they can compete on most venues um and i was thinking like pakistan's you know i know it's not really their home but relative home advantage has to come into the picture when we talk about the world cup but i noticed that they've actually not played a single t20i since a 2019 in uh, in uae mm-hmm. um and i know obviously psl there were still games there um so what are your thoughts in general about that uh, i think would it as you said like would would you think having most games at abu dhabi would really give pakistan a good good chance or do you think if it's spread out across sharja with their uh, limited batting they might struggle a little bit see it depends on obviously as the surface has said but if they get a lot they would ideally want venue where the bowling their bowling stands out and i think uh, abu dhabi is the best venue for that and then followed by dubai because dubai is a pretty big ground and you can may basically make uh, you know batting tough for the opposition if you bowl defensive lengths over there and also i think that is one thing and as you said about the relative home adva- uh, home advantage that is true because most of these guys have made their debut for pakistan in the ue and they have played at least till 2019 they were ue was their home ground and if, uh, they have played a lot of their games in ue so it would not be wrong to say it as a, they have some advantage and obviously you know the surface is better you know the grounds better okay so even there are small minor things like uh, i remember once that in the dubai pitch it's slightly at an angle it has a slope so if the spinner's ball from one end it helps it gets the spinner more deviation from one end i think it's on the emirates road end so if you ball from that end you get a bit of more turn that is something that if you play a lot of games at that venue is something you pick up upon and i think that is one advantage obviously these are small advantages and i'm sure teams might be much more better about it right now they must have learned about it by now but these small small advantages are something you need to know or you will be useful for pakistan when time comes for the world t20 is it enough to bridge a gap that is a completely different story right and i know there's there's also plans to have a few games in oman i i don't know what any of us can expect of that because i, I you know i tried to find some data on that and it seemed like it was mostly associate teams who played in oman so um you know we got to take the data with a pinch of salt so we'll see <laughs> yeah but the oman ground is one of the most beautiful grounds i've seen like the drive to the oman ground is a really picturesque drive like you go through the mountains and all that so if any fan is going to take that trip 
okay it's going to be a worthwhile trip let's uh before we wrap up um let's talk about what's next for pakistan's t20 side i i, I know that you were talking about five t20s uh against west indies in west indies uh i'm yeah. uh, assuming and i know that we saw news today that they had to cancel the game with australia because of a positive covid case now i don't know how this will impact uh pakistan's tour of west indies um and assuming um uh, either way so let's take both cases if pakistan is not able to go ahead with that series in west indies their next assignment is the world t20 right and no hopefully their next assignment will be two t20s against england and pakistan okay where okay. yeah where england has said they will send their full strength side and three or five t20s against uh, new zealand in pakistan as well oh okay okay yeah, so and, they have yeah and there's uh, even i think they have even penciled in one uh, series with afghanistan but their afghanistan st- series is part they have three odis and three t20s but the odis are part of the super league so they are forced to play it uh but i don't think so the t20is is now subject to when ipl releases their schedule so it might happen it might not happen so pakistan has a lot of still even if this west indies series doesn't go okay. through they still have a lot of t20is but uh two uh, two one uh, two series are more or less confirmed one series there's no clarity about it till now at least do you think that's enough time and enough games for pakistan to fine tune uh their squad before the t20 world cup i hope so because now they are they are pretty much in the they actually have to give a run to the guys they have picked right now for the england squad they have to give a run to azam khan they have to give shoaib maqsud a run because if you if these guys work well and good if you don't then you go back to an asif ali and still have azam khan you still have asif you still have azhar ali as well so you know at least those guys can do something if that doesn't happen but i'm pretty sure i'm hoping at least azam khan is good enough for the international setup because that guy has lit up uh, the psl with his performances so if the, that works well and good but for me i think pakistan should fine tune their bowling plans much more than their batting plans because their batting plans they it's only the middle order which it needs you i don't think so you can ever find a consistent middle order with their game plan because their middle order has to come and keep on hitting out till the end if their best case scenario with the openers always works out and more likely right. or not their best case scenario works out like 7 out of 10 times that's why if it doesn't work out that's why you have an hafiz who comes and you know continues that and takes them to the 10th 11th over with one wicket or two wickets down but if their middle order is one thing which they need to like find out uh which they need to fine tune and more importantly their bowling plans is something which they need to work out they need to find what happens if shahin is not fit enough or he doesn't play a game and they should rest shahin as well they need to find a better use of asan they need to find uh, how good usman qadir is they need to give usman qadir more game time so i think their bowling and batting or bowling and the middle order at least middle order is just a question of who you pick and how they perform match up that I, if if i'm not sure if still the 23 man squad for the world t20 but if that's the case then i think the middle order issue is just going to be opposition dependent but their bowling is needs much more planning and i think if pakistan want to win the world t20 their bowling plan should be perfect 
by the time the world t20 comes and these 15 odd games whatever they have is enough time at least for that okay well i think on that note uh we'll wrap this up but uh Clive thank you so much for mm-hmm. staying uh, up till 2 to 3 in the morning uh yeah. to talk to us uh obviously Pakistan cricket you know even as a long time india fan you know uh, i always love when uh a pakistan side you know is strong uh it's got a, a good squad because even a half strong squad they always produce some exciting cricket and i think world cricket in in general would you know we'll get to see a lot of exciting games uh when pakistan put their best players on uh, on the field with the best tactics and all of that uh, so it's always fun talking talking about them talking about their cricket so we thank you so much uh for mm-hmm. talking to us and uh yeah we appreciate your time yeah, thank you thank you thanks you guys for having me and hope you guys keep going with the podcast i've been listening to a lot of episodes and it's good fun when at least on drive to work it's actually amazing it's like good 15 <laughs> 20 minutes of my drive gets clear through by then yeah <laughs> I appreciate it. We appreciate your uh feedback and we I think we find Mike I think we finally found our one loyal listener. So, uh <laughs> thanks for continuing to listen <laughs> to us and uh we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks Clive. Yeah. Well, that's it for this episode of The Last Wicket. Once again, a special thanks to Clive for coming back on our show to talk about Pakistan cricket. And if you enjoyed this episode, do rate and subscribe to this podcast, follow us on your social media feeds, and leave us a voice message if you would like to share your thoughts with us. Thank you for listening and from all of us here at the Last Wicket, stay safe and stay healthy.